the Yak Babies. Sex, Presidents, and Sometimes Books. Welcome to Yak Babies, the only podcast on the internet sponsored by Birdseed for Humans, Eat Cheap for Cheap. My name's Aaron, here my personal pals, Brick. <laughs> we have new Mainer Nico. Hello. And we have calling from all the way in overseas, or not really overseas, calling from all the way from wherever, we have personal pal Dave. Good morning, boys. He's but, mostly west of us. But imagine if there was. Folks, it's a return to our beloved series, classic Yak Babies sub-series, Canon or Canon. You might recall that we recently relaunched Canon or Canon to focus less on the classics of literature, kind of reading list books, and more on predicting the future canon, trying to see which contemporary lit favorites would end up being canonized and which ones maybe don't pass the test. Our first episode was On the Road by Cormac McCarthy. Our verdict was mixed, right? It was a tie. I think it was a tie. A tie between canon and not canon. Of course, the premise is that we either enshrine these books in the canon or we put them into a canon and shoot them into the ocean to be consumed by Poseidon. So those are your options. Our next entry in the series is There There by Tommy Orange. Keep it in school or blast that book into the ocean. Canon or Canon. Brick, I think you were the first person to read this book of the four of us. I think so too. It was on one of Barack Obama's like every year he puts out the like these are the books you should read and the albums you should listen to kind of kind of posts. Yeah, I don't know if he still doesn't, but he he did. He does that year. I, it, w- one of the things I think so we did an episode about kind of nominating books for this this new new canon or canon project. Yes, uh, one of the things we as a group maybe recognized afterwards was while the impetus of the the thing was to move away from the kind of stodgy Western canon for a couple of reasons. One of which being we mostly were just voting them all back in. Yes, but 100%. also they were not very representative of kind of a broader lit- literary picture of, of how things you know either look now or, or should look now right and then i think we recognized in our own kind of nominations that we had we kind of replicated that pattern and it was 90 percent white male books that we we kind of picked yes and so we're hopefully gonna you know i think we're gonna touch on you know we can only do a few of these a year but we're, we're gonna still pull from that pool that we put out there but we're also gonna pull some other books in and try and make sure that you know i i I've noticed when when Nico's talking about the books he's reading, there's there's a lot of books that are you know written from different viewpoints and, and different things, and that's something I'm trying to do in my own reading as well. Yeah, and so we want to reflect that a little bit. Yeah, that list that kind of we masters we made for that episode was just like an evolving list, right? So like yeah. just like a just some names up there, but there's always room for more, and we're we're you know just gonna go where our path takes us. And you recommended that we put in there there by Tommy Orange. Yes, and yeah. so he is a, a Native American author. Yes. And it was, you know, it was one of the Obama recommendations. I, uh, just going through my notes, I, I read this book almost a full two years ago. Okay. So my, um, you know, um, I think some of my memories are going to be a little blurry. I do have my notes here. Right. I think how I felt about this book then and how I still do now is it's a very good book, but it has some complications. Hmm. I don't know that I, I think I'm going to rely on how this conversation goes for my <laughs> verdict. I, I don't know. I, I know the problems I had specifically with the ending. Yeah. But I don't know... 
like, I think I know what the reason for the, for it being constructed that way is. I just don't know if I like it or not. And so we'll talk through when we get there, but that was, there's a lot I liked about this book when I read it. And then, uh, since then I know some of you picked it up just on your own. And then part of the reason why we've picked it for now is we had kind of reached a point where most of us had read or were in the process of reading it anyway. Yeah, exactly. And also it seemed to have, I mean, this, it was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. It was on tons of end of year lists and award-winning, you know, sort of rankings like that. So this is a book that really made a splash. Um, It was a debut novel. This is Tom Orange's first book. And so it does have that kind of thing we look for in possible you know, new canon books is, you know, got a lot of praise. It was critically acclaimed. It seemed to be beloved by readers. So, you know, will that last? Like, does that kind of acclaim, you know, set a book up for future success? Or will this sort of be kind of like a temporary thing where it sort of like recedes, you know, over time? We decided the road probably, well, we, we were tired, right? But part of our discussion was like, does the road represent like the dystopian novel the best way or will that be replaced by something that's kind of our you know the angle of discussion a little just like summary before we get into the discussion this book published in 2018 by tommy orange like i said debut novel he went through the nfa program it was at the institute of american indian arts and has written some short stories but this is the first sort of book a linked stories book right i think it's probably fair to call it that yeah it's a novel i suppose but really to me it read as linked stories the publisher called it a novel yeah i mean it's yes but it's they're not broken out as short story not really right some of them are yes especially the early ones are very it's a it's a similar i mean there's more i think there's 12 arcs here characters yeah Uh, it's a little kind of like which is another book we might we might do the the brief wondrous life of oscar wow where there's just stories embedded in there right and then there's i think one of the things that i struggle with with this book is these these arcs are not all equal right there's some that are very less substantial than the others and i don't know how satisfying the payoff is for that yeah the comparison i kept making as i read this was as i lay dying right and trying to sort Mm. of find a kind of like a reference for it it's not quite that you know as i lay dying is a novel told from multiple perspectives, but the story is one story. This is really more several different stories that coalesce mm-hmm. in the end and sort of gradually grow together. And you see the connected threads between them, but it really is separate stories. So it's kind of like a, there's a slight difference there. I mean, not this classification doesn't, doesn't exactly matter. Well, I, th- I think it does because I think what you're describing is part of what I haven't quite got my head around yet. Yeah. Right. Where, right I think what he what he's trying to do is have this be a story of a relatively fractured diaspora, right? Yes. Or a relatively fractured cultural identity, and I think that disconnect and that sense of untetheredness is intentional and what he's trying to say and part of the kind of sadness of the book that said i'm not convinced the way he executed it is canon worthy it's tough it's tough when the like kind of manifestation of your goal is something that doesn't make for a good book like Hmm. for the for the characters to be kind of unlinked and feel disparate does not make for a good story to me like because it doesn't it just so i mean there's 12 characters it's 300 pages so every character gets an average of 25 pages mm-hmm. and that's it yep and like some of them are 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 completely different to the point that they hardly even touch each other let alone like relate to each other and it I, again i think i think that's the point right yeah but so that- so the the, the general structure of the book is there's these these 12 arcs. They are all Native Americans, I believe, or at least... There's some contained. connection, yeah. yeah. Some are sort of like fully embedded uh, in the American culture, and some are less so. It, it culminates in a powwow, 
right, in yeah. California? Oakland. Oakland. And so they're all going to this event, which is, the, you know, a major cultural event where they're supposed to sort of, like, they're supposed to go, right? Yeah. Not necessarily they want to go. And it's it ends up being just a shit show. And, and, a, and a, well, final tragedy, one, and yeah. a tragedy and a tragedy and a traumatic and a lot of them either don't want to go or don't know why they need to go or don't, and, you know, and I think that all speaks to what he's displaying here about sort of a lost cultural identity and the attempts to establish it or reclaim it are futile or, or at least damaged, right? And, yeah. you know, again, I think, Nico, you're not wrong. That doesn't make it a good book. But I, I think it's intentional. But yeah. whether that's enjoyable is, is a separate... Yeah. My point is that it's tough when your the goal of your book is to make is to create something that does not lend itself to being a good book. Like so, if you if you have like a bunch a bunch of stories that in theory should tie together, but in fact don't, and that's the point that undermines but a little I, bit the effect of it. Maybe, to, but for I me. think things this can for, for me, but like, they can I tie understand. together thematically without tying together through plot. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think the the point of it is they tie together thematically and the theme is we're trying to tie the plot together, but it doesn't work. Right. It's a it's a lost cause. But then they're it. They are tied together plot wise. It's just not very satisfying. It's just well, like yeah. it's like. Meh. So, I mean, right. let's let's spoil the end right away. Right. Yeah. And then and then because I do. Do you want to or do you want to? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So basically what happens is someone shows up at the powwow and starts shooting and a lot of people get killed. And and some of the... Some Multiple of the, yeah. the main characters, yeah, try to rob the powwow and then like yeah. almost everybody dies. Yeah. Or gets shot at least. Yeah, or at least gets injured, right? And, and, and so, then there's like, I, I think there's three to six scenes of people dying. Like their right. last perspective like, is... Like them half dying. of them yeah. is, is them dying. And so it's messy. It's a messy ending. Mm-hmm. Not in a, like, yeah. like, obviously, like, it's messy, but also, like, the way it's done. It, it felt, when I first read it, I, it felt like he couldn't think up an ending, and that was the ending. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's actually what happened. I think, it, but that, it, it has that feeling almost, right? Where it feels like yeah. there's no way to tie these together, so this is how I'm going to tie them together. But I think that was me looking for something that I expected as opposed to trying to li- – because I, I do think it ties together thematically. I just – I don't know if it's it's satisfying or not. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think that, like, to me, the ending – the violence of the ending is partly commentary on the impact of colonialism yeah. and genocide. Not partly. I think – Well, yeah, yeah, fully. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that this is the inevitable outcome of that, right? right. You, you sort of – when you have pushed – people to the margins and mm-hmm. sort of force them you know to subsist on nothing essentially then it's no surprise that you know crime gets involved somehow and then crime takes over like this is like you know when octavio and his gang come and kill or sort of trying to rob the powwow ended up in a shootout for very you know all the complicated connections there it's like just the inevitability of death for this group of people yeah. showing up right and it happens to be one of their own this time but it, it doesn't have to be always and it's horribly upsetting right it's, it's yeah. such a tragic ending so yeah not so much that it's like it has to end this or that this is just like the only way to end it but more that it felt like the ending was appropriately schlocky only in a sense of like it was gross like it was or mm-hmm. you know it was bloody it was it was horrible but it has to be it has to be that ending because there is not there's not a bow to put on this it's a nice thing yeah, I, I I disagree. Yeah. I think that it feels basic to me. Like, mm. so it's just, it's like, 
Yeah, yes, the history of Native Americans has been violent for, you know, 200 plus years with Americans. Why and not? that just seems like, it's like, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I get, yeah, colonialism. Yeah, I get it. But what else? Like, hmm. what else do you have to say about that? Like, what else do you have to say that's deeper? And so part of it for me was like, I was reading at the same time a book called Light from Uncommon Stars, which is about a trans girl who an Asian trans girl who is like living in LA and like she's homeless and she gets kind of swept up in this literal deal with the devil. And that had so many more kind of layers to it. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was like, yeah, she's trans. And then also like her, her, like there's so much about her music and her instrument and her and learning to play the violin and like, does a different violin make the, violin player better does it does it make the music better like what part of it is what there's so much so many different layers to that book and then to come back to this book and it's like yeah it's violence and it's like uh, okay but hmm. uh, I, yeah. I like so one of the one of the things i liked about there like one of the observations i liked in there there was when one of the guys is talking about like making indian music mm-hmm. and he's he says like you have to have some kind of sound of the old Indian like drums and shit because otherwise they won't know that it's Indian. Right. But also like if you just keep that sound like then you're not doing anything. Right. You're not you're not and so that you're kind of stuck between trying to make and I thought that was more eloquent than the entire mm-hmm. shootout. Hmm. Cuz yeah. that that has more like complexity to me and it's like that's that's it doesn't need to be like this whole big thing where like you take these 12 12 different characters like why are there 12 when they just right they just all die like i yeah so that's what i think i think it's more i get it but i don't i don't think it's necessarily more insightful yeah i do agree that the ending to me was less satisfying than the rest of the book yeah Uh, totally i I definitely agree and a lot of the stories uh, leading up to that were like really had their own kind of nice conclusions and I kept thinking as I was reading, like, I wonder which of these was the first one he wrote that was the first just short story that sort of led to the idea of a deeper connection between a lot of them. I wonder if this was maybe a collection at first that sort of was massaged into connected stories by an editor, potentially. Right. I think that's likely. Yeah, that's why I got that feeling. I mean, who knows? But that's kind of the sense I got. But yeah, so I think you're not wrong with the ending not fitting that sense. But I do think that I'm not sure that I need anything more than just the idea that, like, yeah, violence is an inevitability here. And it's that's tragic. And that's... Because it makes you feel bad, it makes you feel uncomfortable, and it should by design, right? But that because of the nature of this book, that ending was sort of like almost felt like, yeah, right, that was the horrible aftermath of stories that had already ended in, in their own way, right? With other kind yeah. of maybe more satisfying endings yeah. from a literary point of view here and there. We haven't heard from Dave yet. Dave, do you want to weigh in here? What are your, some of your thoughts on this? Yeah, man, it's tough, right? Because yes, it feels like sort of an inevitable ending and okay, maybe he could have, and I'm sure he did come up with other ideas. Right. Right. But I don't know. I mean, you know, the fact that it's unsatisfying to some of us doesn't make it universally unsatisfying. And I, I kind of feel like closing with a commentary of how, you know, all these people who are kind of scattered across America by, you know, forces sort of outside their own power and then decide to come back together for this cultural event, you know, in the end, it's still like, yeah, we can come together for this thing, but we're still in the United States of America. So there's a not zero chance that 
this is going to end in a lot of bullets and blood. And, right. And yeah, just the, because the that capitalist system has led to that. Yeah. Just because that feels like, I don't even want to say cliche ending. I, I mean, I don't feel like there are a shitload of books that end this way, but just the fact that it's, it's kind of like an, oh yeah, of course, kind of ending. I don't think that in itself makes it unsatisfying. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. We talked about uh, kind of the sort of like overall structure of the novel, or the, yeah, what is the novel um, so far. What about the writing style? So Tommy Orange's voice here. How would you, what are your thoughts on the way it's written, just in terms of kind of like sentence level writing? Did you find it sort of satisfying? Was it less so your sort of assessment of, of Orange's voice here? You know, what's funny is that, you know, we started talking about how it feels kind of like a story collection. I did not get that sense as I was reading the book. Really? And I can see it now, obviously. I mean, now it's like, it's obvious that I should have had that thought. To me, it feels a lot more cohesive than, like, for example, a break mentioned Oscar Wilde or uh, a visit from the Goon Squad, which is also packaged as a novel, but is much more clearly short story, linked short stories. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't have that thought as I was reading. Or if I did, I dismissed it. I mean, I read it more than a year ago, so it's it's possible that it occurred to me then and I just kind of dropped it. But it, it felt like there were enough connections to these characters and, like, there was something of a, you know, building up factor that, yeah, it didn't feel like he was jamming together some some stories. Then again, it wouldn't surprise me to learn that he wrote a lot of this in, like, short story workshops. Yeah, so that accumulating thing you're mentioning here definitely happens, especially as the story, as the as the novel comes to the end, kind of the connections become a bit more explicit, almost right towards the end. There's a moment where one of the characters, Edwin, who is an illegitimate, uh, or he doesn't know who his father is, he he learns that his father is the like MC of the powwow, and so he's going. He gets a job helping to organize the powwow so we can meet this person and sort of meet his, you know, sort of long lost biological father. And then his friend, he has a crush on a woman who works the powwow as well with him, whose name is blue, I think. And turns out that, that he's also her father. And you learn that pretty late in the novel. And it's like, Oh wow. That's kind of like, it almost, there is a degree of soap opera twist at some of those junctions that I felt at least where it was like, oh, wow, okay, I guess they're related. So that all of a sudden they're flirting. You know, he wants to date her, takes on a new complication. They're blood related. And that happens a couple different times. There's there's lots of, you know, uh, so the long lost father who's the MC, the powwow, is also the illegitimate father of the woman who died, who her children were the three boys who snuck to go to the powwow, who one of whom gets shot. It's, they're, they're all, like the web is very tight. But it's not tight until, like, there's, like, 40 pages left. And so there is that feeling of, like, oh, wow, these characters really are all connected. Whereas before, when you read the, I mean, the first, man, the first, like, five or six chapters, there's not really a connection at all. They're all pretty separate stories, and they kind of start to, like you said, gradually tie together. But that's why I said when I, the first part of the read, I was like, oh, this is just a, this is a short story collection that was turned into a linked stories collection because of the powwow but it, it seemed like those stories all kind of had their own especially edwin for instance had his own kind of deal and the octavio saga had its own kind of flavor to it but this ended up being connected too voice wise i mean i liked this writing a lot i i really enjoyed the voice i thought it was very strong the one problem i had with it was sometimes a bit too referency i don't know if that clicked with you guys either but there was sometimes when like there was a little like the jokes were a bit too clever or a bit yep. too yeah 
and that took me right out of it, which is a bummer. Though I did like that it introduced me to a tribe called Red. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, I right. then looked up and kind of liked, which mm-hmm. is a little uh, antithetical to my typical approach of... But it wasn't like, I listened to the song and it made me feel the... Whatever. Right. But... But yeah, but there was actually some there of that. might have been some of that. I can't. Like there was a reference to the Radiohead song there, there I think, which is one of the references for the title. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's Gertrude Stein, or is it Gertrude or is it? Yeah, I think Gertrude Yeah, yeah. She, when she was talking about Oakland, she said, "Yeah, there's no, there's there, no there, there, there." Yeah, and I like the kind of like the the broader context of that quote, which is nice. But just some of those references like were dropped, and I was like, "Yeah, I know." Like we've all read books or like seen movies and watched. TV shows and listen to music too. The song that felt like an, a younger writer tick, definitely a workshop tick for sure. That I certainly was guilty of and, and still am in a lot of ways. Andrew when Martin, hundred percent, Dave. You're absolutely right. And it always bugs me. So I definitely saw that, and that always made me wince a little bit. But outside of that, I thought the voice was really strong. There's also strong. the the tinge of assimilation kind of built into that. Yeah, but it always feels like. Not always, but a lot of times I feel like the writer pausing to be like, I turn now to my record collection to like show you the things that I've listened to. And it's like, and I, I think Tom Marshall's is a cool guy. He sounds like a nice dude. I have no ill will towards him in this regard. Like I do with Andrew Martin, <laughs> but it was just like, yeah, I know, man. I don't, I don't ugh, I never, I don't like it. I just never, uh, yeah, it. I mean, I have the same reaction when I, when I come, we talked about this before when we come yeah. across references and stuff. So I get it. Yeah. And even like the reference to the, the tribe called Red you're talking about was what Nico was mentioning earlier, that sort of like discussion of how music can take you forward. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. That point would stand on its own. Having the reference to a tribe called Red is cool. It, it sort of led you to a new band, which is nice. But also yeah. it's like, it point would have worked on its own without the specific reference, probably. So that's, that, I don't know, it always straddles a line for me that, that never quite works. Hmm. But overall, the voice was very descriptive, very evocative, you know, good, good writing here, I think, overall. So what do you guys think about the title? We think it means, yeah. So there, we talked about the Gertrude Stein where she said about Oakland that there's no there there, and yeah. then what was the other one? There's a Radiohead song called "There There" from Hail to the Thief," yeah. one of their lesser records, in my opinion. Yeah, and then there's also kind of just the general, you know, saying like like consoling consolation. Yeah, that's you know there there. Yeah, I mean, I like that that connection the best. The the contrast of the Stein quote and the idea of consolation to me I think worked right. most effectively that was an interesting connection yeah and the, you know the for all the arcs the there's a destination right yeah but then you know that ties in with the Stein quote where there's nothing right there's nothing good at that destination. Well, I should say there's nothing good because but in that specific it ended a tragedy right that by, by arriving at that destination Right. But also there's like an I or like a doubling here, you know, so the Stein quote, there's no there there. If the, the sort of common interpretation is, you know, there's nothing at the core of it. But the title there there, that also like doubles the idea of like placeness, right? Like yeah. there is something and there's there's multiple locations and sort of like a connection between sort of physical location and spiritual location, maybe there's there's there is no comma. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think it's a, a nicely evocative and complex title. I liked it a lot. I kind of feel like that is a microcosm of the entire book. Hmm. Like, so it, like the way the way he's kind of going about it is, instead of having layers of meaning and this means one specific thing, it's like, well, it could it means a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And you know, if you like that, then you probably like this book. <laughs> and I don't particularly <laughs> like that. I'm, I'm more like I want it to mean something 
specific and mm. in that specificity is where its eloquence is. Right. Rather than like, well, it could mean three different things. Right. And it's like, okay. Take your pick. Th- to me, that doesn't that doesn't do it for me. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like the ambiguity, especially in the context of the thing, right? Because I think for all of these characters, their cultural identity could mean a few different things. And I think it means different things at different times for them, mm. right? Yeah. And there's what it you know what it's supposed to mean for you know when they're with their with their family versus when they're with their friends or you know all that a little critical attention that i read you know kind of following up my reading and just like doing some prep for the episode paid attention to those sections that were not narrative the kind of like these sort of like non-fiction sections i don't know what you would call them they're sort of like little there's one in the intro one towards the middle i think one towards the end too maybe not i think maybe there's only two where a non-specified narrative voice, we can assume the author, but who knows, goes through the sort of history of, or just like, not even history, just sort of like different little bits and and sort of like almost, I want to say the word trivia, but that sounds trivial, but like little like sort of like things about Indian culture, American Indian culture specifically that are interesting. It opens the book, you get sort of kind of like a, a really bad example and a really bad comparison is the Dennis Miller rants, right? It feels like that kind of. Of like, here's some of my thoughts on this stuff. And it's a very sort of sarcastic, kind of funny voice. We get all the information there. What'd you make of those? How do those work for you in this in the context of this novel? It's an interesting choice. It's definitely not narrative storytelling. I don't I don't remember them, I'll be honest. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's been a couple months. The way you the way you described them, I like it, but I don't I don't remember it. Yeah. They provide context. They sort of help to clarify some of the issues. They're interesting. I'm I think it would have been fine without them probably too, but there is a different voice there. It's not it's a, it's a much more like that Kevin Barry book kind of yeah it just feels a bit more it's definitely meta in that sense it kind of breaks down some of the the intent is to educate the reader right yeah. I think that Tommy Orange understands that his audience is probably largely non-native if this is gonna be a mainstream book and so he's trying to educate people who don't know about the native experience and see what which is I think is interesting but like I said I think that if I was the editor it could have been lopped out. It probably would have been fine. But yeah, still still interesting for sure. Were there any particular stories that struck you? Any sort of arcs or characters that you remember fondly or that you sort of like were kind of more compelled by than others? I think this that that one that I mentioned about the music was... The drummer. Yeah. He was a janitor, I believe. Yeah. For the organization that sort of was working in the powwow when he yeah. was an alcoholic. Kind of, kind of a tragic story. I mean, they all have tragic stories, but his story was particularly yeah. tragic. Yeah, I think that was my favorite. Yeah. Dave, any for you? Any sort of standout arcs or characters that you recall? That's the kind of thing I could have answered a year ago, but it's probably too much time has passed for me to be able to get that specific. Yeah, I feel I'm exerting privilege here. I just read this book. I finished it this week, so I have recency bias here. I mean, especially with this many different voices. If there were like three main characters, then sure, but not with this. Yeah, definitely. The arc that I find the most interesting was the Octavio story. That was the I think the most richly fleshed out and and compelling and complex. I liked a lot of them. The Edwin story was good too. I felt really bad for Edwin. I recognized myself with Edwin a lot too. Someone who's too online and overweight and sad. I was like, oh yeah, that all makes sense. Um, <laughs> so I liked that story too, but it made me feel you know bad. The one the one that stood out to me as being that didn't fit, I guess, or I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say didn't fit. That seems arrogant but the his name is dean i think he's the character who is filming the project he's sort of doing the grant project to film people telling their stories about the native experience and early on this maybe this is uh too much of a brag point but early on i was like oh this is the this is what tommy orange did this is his 
point of view character. And later I learned that he came up with the idea for the, the story collection when he was working on a project where he was videotaping people telling their stories. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, so he was that guy. That's definitely him. Yeah. You Which is fine. get minus one brag point. <laughs> <laughs> I paid the cost. Yeah, when you ask for brag points, you don't get them. <laughs> yeah, you well. get smacked down. Maybe you can use. Maybe we can use brag points throughout the this, the year to insert bragging moments into. So if you have three brag points, you can afford to brag once in the episode. <laughs> so I just bragged. <laughs> Dean's story was interesting. I find it less compelling. I really the the. the crime story i thought was really the most interesting they were all good though i thought this is overall a good collection i thought that yeah i think that's to me that is the effect of it it's that because it because it is it is a bit of a you know it's as wide as an ocean and shallow as a puddle it's like mm. there's when there's 12 characters and there's all these different stories you're not going to get super deep into anybody's character yeah and and then when you add in like these different like you're talking about like the different non-fiction things and like that kind of thing, those different modes of writing and everything. It just, it's like all of it is good, but I don't feel like we got into into deep to any part of it. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Yeah, well, part of the nature of the story collection is this is, I mean, this maybe being this is getting too deep into an issue doesn't maybe matter, but like if it is a story collection, then we expect a different level of depth from those characters right from a short story you expect a certain right. a different sort of you're just getting less from the different character in the novel just by just by nature of the length of the story or the narrative so since we do get some details but like for instance tony our sort of opening character the guy who has fetal syndrome. alcohol syndrome yeah he's sort of like the kind of the catalyst for the robbery he is he helps them get the guns and or the, the ammo whatever i mean we don't get much about him we sort of his story is interesting about sort of how he feels perceived by people around him but then it kind of it falls off he comes back a couple times but like nothing for really nothing that seems totally worth it maybe whereas octavio's story is really interesting and charles's story is really interesting and really sort of deep we get a lot out of them they don't get from tony those felt like less mature stories whereas the ones in the middle felt a bit more mature yeah well, should we? I don't know if you guys know this, but I. So we're we're doing this at Yak HQ, and uh, Nico and I took the train down here from Boston to get to to Brick's place. And I don't know if you saw this, Nico, but I brought a cannon with me. <laughs> yeah, on we the train, a whole extra bag. Yeah, I had it's to a have a cannon. a car linked up to the train yeah. to carry the cannon with me, and it was a, <laughs> it was very expensive to do, but it was worth it to bring it here because I knew we were doing this this conversation. You did bring a huge duffel bag. Yeah. 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 And I, I guess Brick, maybe you haven't looked in the backyard, but there is a giant cannon out there. Fair enough. So look at that cannon and see how, how gleaming and polished it is. We got a vote. Are we going to put Tommy Orange's there there in the cannon to shoot it into the ocean to be eaten and shit out by Poseidon? Or are we going to enshrine this in the canon of American literature? Do we believe this has legs, right? Our, our distinguishing our criteria here is, do we think that in the you know years down the line, people will be reading Tommy Orange's there there in that sort of same way we read like Frankenstein or Crime and Punishment today, or do we feel like it might not have that resonance in the future? Dave, let's let's hear from you first. I want you to weigh in here. Tommy Orange, there, there, canon or canon? I think I am going to put it in the canon. Wow. Tell us why. Wait, single end? I think it I think it'll prove to to have legs. I mean I, I think the you know, ending aside, well, not ending aside, I mean, ending included, the, you know, debate about the ending makes it 
an interesting read in and of itself. And then the, the diversity of, of voices and, and subject matter itself on top of the fact that, yeah, it was very popular uh, and hyped and I think well executed. Hmm. Okay, good. Brick, on to you. So one vote for Canon Single N. Yeah, I, I think another thing that caught me about this book is that it also feels like a snapshot of the aughts. Hmm. That, that time period and like how at least I see, you know, the, the first 15 years of the millennium is, is starting to kind of crystallize into into a form yeah uh, a little bit and i think what i remember of this book is that it kind of it kind of fits in that so i think that coupled with what it's trying to do i, I agree with dave i think it's gonna have legs i i think i still don't love the ending mm-hmm. I, I i think that it i think what it's trying to do doesn't necessarily match up with what it does mm-hmm. but i think the book itself is good enough and enjoyable enough that uh it's still worth keeping around Okay, single end. Two votes for single end canon. Wow, we turned to Nico. Nico, your thoughts? <laughs> well, I'm firing it from the canon, but I want to <laughs> double end canon uh, in its uh, yeah in its place. I want to put up Life Among Common Stars because I feel like that hmm. is. Cause I was reading them at the same time, and I feel like it it blows this book out of the water a little bit. Mm. And I think that's also the kind of book that even could, though you're blowing it into the water, yeah, that could uh, that could stand. Right. Well, it's already in the water because I fired it out of the canon, and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think so. So I think Life from Uncommon Stars is the way is the kind of book that could stand up to critical scrutiny hmm. in fifty years, hundred years. I don't think this is. I don't think like we come back to this and in like I don't, I don't think I just don't think it has the same depth. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Double in canon for Nico. So two votes for in the canon single end. One vote for in the canon being shot to see. This is your John McCain moment. Right down here. to down to me. Which I believe it was last time as well. I am also. We already know. We already know. <laughs> I'm also voting double end canon here. Oh shit! Wait, you surprised the hell out of me. A second tie for our new series, Canon to Canon. I like this book a lot. I gotta say. Okay. My vote against it being the canon is not vote on quality. I I thought it was a great book. It just doesn't have that quality of strangeness that I, we talked about when we discussed kind of the new canon earlier. There's something missing. There's something right. that that. As much as I liked it, it wasn't like I would assign, if I was teaching short fiction, I would assign different short stories as examples as opposed to these. Right. And I know that this is a novel, uh, but to be it was a story collection, and that's why I was, how I was thinking about it. Right. Again, nothing against the, the, the voice. I was really strong. I really enjoyed the characters. It, it grew me a lot. You know, the first couple of chapters, like, yeah, I'm not so into this. And then it really got a lot better. The ending fell flat for me a little bit in, in just like... Like I said, not in thematic ways, but in sort of plotting ways. I felt sometimes the connections were like, oh, wow, okay, those people are related. Huh, I guess it didn't have to be like that, but that's interesting. So I'm looking forward to more from Tommy Orange. I want to see what he does next. But to me, this was not, this was probably not canonical literature, Mm -hmm. I don't think. Do you think, so one of you guys mentioned that like the, the ending was kind of obvious, but in a way that's like inevitable and that the Mm -hmm. inevitability was you know, talking was a criticism of, you know, the United States and America and so. American yeah. Indians place in it. Do you think that quality also led to it not having that strangeness hmm. that you felt the lack of? Interesting. Maybe so. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe if it had just been stories that were independent, yeah. maybe it would have been different or maybe if it had been a novel about Octavio and Charles and their sort of relationship. Right. And that was to me, the kind of the more compelling angle here. Lots of them were good, though. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe so. 
Again, like I said, this is not a bad book. This is a great book. I really, I loved reading this. I recommend yeah. it to anyone. It's just not exactly canon the way that I think of of the canon. Maybe. So wow, two ties. Pantheon remains empty. I, I know a, a tie does not. Yeah, a tie no, doesn't get you over the edge. It has so to be we, clear. We, we, the new canon is still unloaded. <laughs> totally, and we're gonna have to deal with our ties at some point. So we'll we the road. No, I, I don't. I don't think we do. I think. I think that, we can't, that means if out? we can't get three of us over, then it's wow. not. Yeah. But, you know, interesting. Well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe once every so many years we can revisit one if we feel passionately about it. But. Sure. Did you all see that? Read this that Tommy Orange is working on a sequel to There There as a follow up. It's only six storylines this time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was my thought too. It was like, oh, really? Like I wanted to see him do something different. All the dead people come back uh, as they, zombies. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And then the same format. <laughs> <laughs> I do that Tommy Orange listened to podcasts because he was a guest on a podcast I like called Hollywood Handbook a couple months back. So maybe he listens to this podcast. And if so, I hope that you continue your work, Tommy Orange. I like your book. I want more from you. Shut up. You can't have a brag point from Tommy Orange. <laughs> In fact, minus three brag points. <laughs> if I get a brag point from Tommy Orange, then I win the brag points. You just, you just die in ecstasy. <laughs> Well, listeners, that was our take on There, There. We want to hear your thoughts on this novel slash collection. Reach out to us at yakbabiespodcast at gmail.com. Or you can get us, we're still on Twitter at yakbabies, but we're also going to be on other social media at some point. We'll figure that out. And then you can get our Patreon, patreon.com slash yakbabies, where you can get all of our bonus material for $1 a month, access to all the fun and games there, Patreon games like Emi and Bro to Bro, and we're doing discussions of ghost jokes and, and candy. Man, so much happens on Patreon. Get it there. Also, we want to announce our next entries in the Canon or Canon series. We will next be covering Beloved by Toni Morrison and White Noise by Don DeLillo. So go check those out. We want to hear your thoughts on those as well. We'll be discussing them sometime in the future, and we will once again look at our gorgeous Canon and decide whether this book should be put into it or held outside and enshrined in the Canon of Literature. Until then, Yak Babies, yakking off. The Yak Babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael, Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, Gilbert, and William Howard Taft. Oh.